Okay. Uh, what we believe. We're going to talk about communion today. Matthew 26, 17 through 26, and then uh, verse 30 as well. Um, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to, to talk about some basics. Some basics. As, as Christians who are a part of the body of Christ here at Stony Brook, what do we believe? You know, what, what, what are the basic beliefs that we have at Stony Brook? Why do we do the things that we do? Uh, when we come on Sundays or any other time uh, when we're going about our, our Christian life. Um, you know, there's a couple of reasons why we need to ask those kind of questions. What do we believe? Why do we do the things we do? Um, uh, one is for people who are unfamiliar with what we do and why we do and what we believe. Um, imagine going into a place, and maybe we've done that before, uh, where everybody at this place is doing unfamiliar things, things that we're not used to. Uh, and they all understand why they're doing it. And they, they seem very comfortable, and they're just going about whatever they're doing. Uh, but you have no clue what they're doing or why they're doing it. It just seems strange or different. Wouldn't it be good if someone said, well, yes, yeah, so the reason we're doing this is because. Wouldn't that be helpful? It, it would for me. Um, like, for example, the, the communion. Uh, we don't pass the tray anymore, and so you, you have to come up and get a cup. Or um, uh, maybe somebody can take it to you if, if you can't get up and take the cup. But if nobody explained that to you and you came in, uh, you know, you wouldn't know unless somebody said, hey, those cups, up. you need to go up there and get one. Or can I get it for you? Um, the second reason that we need to ask questions like this is for us. For us, for those of us who are a part of the, of the body of Christ, um, do we uh, know what we believe and, and why we do the things we do? Uh, or do we just show up and, well, I guess that's just why, what we do. I'm not real sure why. I think I might know why, but I'm not real sure. Could we explain it to a visitor uh, or to a friend if they were to ask, yeah, you know, I went to church with you yesterday, but... And you guys did this thing or talked about this thing. Why, why did you do that? What was, what was that all about? Uh, I think you and I need to know and be able to explain what we believe, don't you? Um, and why we believe it. Why we do the things we do. I think it's very important. Uh, and so today, as we talk about some of these basics, let's, talk, let's begin with the Lord's Supper or Communion. We call it sometimes. Uh, every Sunday here at Stony Brook, we eat a little piece of unleavened bread. Uh, and we drink a tiny cup of grape juice uh, during the time of our service. We call communion. You ever wondered why it's called communion? Uh, in my office uh, this past week, uh, little Riley Lafferty was in there and uh, in the secretary's office, in her mom's office. And she was asking her mom, what, what's communion? And uh, so I stepped in and First, I looked it up, and then, then just to make sure I had it right, but then I walked in and told her, I said, well, communion means we're having it all together. It's a common thing. We're communing together, community. It's something that Christians do together. They, they commune together, and what are they doing? They're having the Lord's Supper. Uh, that's what communion is. Uh, why do we do that? Why do we have communion? Why do we do it every Sunday here at Stony Brook? Could you explain that to someone? 
could you show someone from the Bible, not just your, your opinion or what you were taught, but from the Bible, why we have communion every week and what it's for? Okay, well, just in case, just in case you can't or you need a reminder, <laughs> let's learn about it or be reminded about it. You know, if, if we're going to practice something as a follower of Christ, you know, there should be a good reason why we do it, don't you think? Um, we should never do something in the name of Jesus just because that's just what you do. You know, that, that's just a ritual that we go through. I'm not sure why, but, I, you know, ever since I was a kid, that's what we do. So we do it. You know, when I was growing up in my home church, after the offering was taken up, uh, as the servers would gather at the back and march military style back up the aisle to the table, uh, every week, the congregation sang this song. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, amen. Every week we sang that song, without end. <laughs> uh, now, at least for me, when I was a kid, and probably for many others who, who went to that church, that song had absolutely no meaning to me. <laughs> uh, and it was my fault. It, it was because it was so familiar and so routine, it just fell out of my mouth and everybody else's mouth too. And, and I, at least, paid no attention to what I was singing. When I was just singing it right then, I was thinking like, wonder what wonder what they think about this. I wasn't thinking about what I was singing. I was just, the words were just falling out of my mouth because it was so familiar. Now, it's a beautiful little chorus. It's like, it's sort of like a, um, what do you call that? Uh, doxology. It's like a doxology. Um, it's a beautiful little chorus. It has a beautiful meaning if you think about it. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I mean, a beautiful little chorus. Um, but uh, I just never, I just sang it, and everybody, I think everybody else did too. Uh, now, this song was not a requirement from Scripture. You can't go in there and, and, and read where it's, make sure when you take up the offering that everyone sings the doxology or something like that. It was just a tradition at my church uh, when I was growing up. And it had been for decades, and I think they might still be doing it even now. Seems like last time I went, they did. You know, it's probably a good idea when it comes to church traditions like that, that we ask ourselves regularly, why are we doing this? What, what's the purpose of this tradition? What purpose does it serve uh, as we are serving Christ? And when we do that, sometimes we might find that, uh, you know, we need to change this up because it's just kind of a mindless ritual right now. Uh, maybe we need to do something different. Maybe we need to sing a different song. Maybe we just need to sing no song at all for a while. <laughs> or, or at least reteach what the song's about Don't as we sing this song. Let's think about the meaning. Sometimes we find that we need to simply be reminded why we do what we do. And the Lord's Supper is definitely one that falls into that category. Jesus directed us to eat and to drink the cup drink from the eat the bread and drink from the cup and so unlike a song that's just a tradition we can't just simply stop doing the lord's supper because it's become routine um no more than we could just stop baptizing people when they accept christ because it's 
it's messy and inconvenient. Um, just like anything else that we do that's important, but also can become ritualistic, we must regularly remind ourselves of why we do it. Why we do it. So here at Stony Brook, one of the things that we try to do when it comes to what we do and what we believe is we observe what those very first Christians did in the New Testament. That, that's basically how we figure things out. All right, what, what do we do here at Stony Brook as a Christian? Let's go to the New Testament and see what those very first Christians did. Um, what did they do and why did they do it? Uh, what did they believe and why did they believe it, those very first Christians in the New Testament? Because we figure if we do it like those first Christians, rather than some preacher from the 18th century or some, uh, some guy that uh, just declared themselves to be an apostle in the 12th century or something like that, if we go back to those very first Christians, we figure, you know, the ones that were taught by Jesus himself, you know, those Christians who actually got lessons from Peter and Paul and James. If we do it like they did it, you know what? There's a good chance we're doing it right. We're believing it right if we do it like they did it. And if we do that, we will not only be more in line with God's will, but you know what? Any church that does that, any church. Uh, if we're all doing that, this church and that church and that church, we're all saying, hey, let's do it like those first Christians. We're going to come close to the unity that Christ prayed for among his followers. And for unity to be a reality among God's people, we've all got to be on the same page, right? We've got to be on the same page. Uh, uh, and that page cannot be some denominational page that was created in the... 10th century or or 20 years ago or whenever it can't come from our own opinion page well what i think i think that it should be this way no it's got to come from the pages of god's word that's what can unify us god's word let's do it like they did it back when the apostles were teaching them Let's seek to pattern this congregation after the church of the New Testament. And so that's, that's our goal here at Stony Brook. That's, that's uh, what we shoot for when it comes to trying to be the best church that we can be. What does the New Testament say about the Lord's Supper? Um, where did it come from? Why did they have the Lord's Supper in the first century among those first Christians? And how did they do it? Well... Let's read where the passage that, tell, that shows us where it all started. And it was at the Last Supper. You know, we've seen the picture of the Last Supper with all the apostles sitting around the table uh, or reclining around the table. Uh, let's read about it. Matthew 26, 17 through 29. And this is uh, basically that whole story leading up to Jesus giving us the, last, the, the, the Lord's Supper. On the first day of the week of the Festival of Unleavened Bread... The disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations to eat the Passover? It was time for the Jewish Passover. He replied, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. 
I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him at one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him. But woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus, during the Jewish festival of Passover, which was an annual feast that the, the Jewish people had, it was a meal, a very symbolic meal. Uh, sometimes it's called a Seder feast. Um, we, we had one of those many, many years ago, a couple of times. Some of you might remember. Um, but it was during that feast, that Jewish spiritual feast, that Jesus introduced a new feast, a Christian feast, uh, a feast for those who would follow him. We call it the Lord's Supper. We call it the Lord's Supper. Bread was given the fruit of the vine was given. Why was this meal given by Jesus? Why did those first believers partake in it? Well, I want to go through some reasons why the Lord's Supper was given and why we partake of it still today. The first one is this. Uh, the Lord's Supper is an act of obedience. It's an act of obedience. Now, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul uh, as he was teaching the church in Corinth, uh, they needed, they were having trouble with the Lord's Supper. They weren't partaking of it correctly. Uh, and, and so he needed to teach a lesson to them about it. And so he did. And so we read about that lesson in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 and 24, uh, where the Apostle Paul is basically going to recount what happened at the Last Supper. Okay, so here's, here's the lesson that he taught. 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. For you, Do this in remembrance of me. And there's more following, but I just want to stop right there. So Jesus said here, do this. Do this. He didn't say, if you think about it, and if, if you got some time, and uh, if you're not doing anything else, take a few minutes every now and then to, to, to take this meal, to eat this meal. No, he said, do this. It's a command from Jesus. Jesus said we should do it. But when? When should we do it? How often 
should we have this meal? Well, most churches, most of the Christian faith, uh, in one way or another, do participate in the Lord's Supper. Sometimes they call it the Eucharist, uh, the, uh, the Lord's Supper, communion. Uh, but most chur- churches of the Christian faith do it in some form or another. Form or another. Many, though, have relegated it to uh, just once in a while, like once a month. The, the second Sunday of every month is Communion Sunday, okay? Or maybe once a quarter they'll have it. Or uh, maybe, maybe once or twice a year for some groups. Um, if you come here for any length of time, you, you notice that we partake of the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Why? Why do we do that? Well, as we consider those first Christians and consider what their pattern was in celebrating this meal together, remember, we're going to look at those very first Christians. How did they do it? Not how did they do it in the 17th century, but how did they do it in the first century when the, those who were taught by the apostles? Um, what we see is a pattern of celebrating this meal uh, uh, at least once a week. As we look through the New Testament, it was at least once a week, if not more. For example, in the second chapter of Acts, uh, you'll see on the back of your card um, that I gave you, the uh, one of the steps is is when you're taking someone, t- showing someone what to do to become a Christian, you go. I suggest one thing you can do is go to the second chapter of the book of Acts in the New Testament and take that person through that that very first day of the church, when the apostle Peter stood up and he, and he preached the very first gospel sermon to those very first um, people that were listening to it. And, and the, ones, the ones who heard that message, at least 3,000, if not more of them, decided to accept Jesus as their Savior. And 3,000 3, or, or more were baptized into Christ that day. And so that was the very first day of the church, the very first Christians. What did they do after? And and that's, I think, the last question on on that. Then what? The the then then what question. What did they do after? Well, if you go to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 46, you see what those very first Christians did after they became Christians. Let's read it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Boy, they just all jumped right in and became a part, an active part of the church. And when they got together, and for a while... It was every day. I mean, they were so excited about it at first. They got together every day. There was a place there at the temple where they were able to gather. Uh, I don't know if they had to pay rent on that, but uh, they were able to gather there to to meet. Um, And when they gathered, what did they do? There was four things that are listed there. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. For us today, that's the New Testament. Well, they didn't have the written down New Testament yet. They had something even better. They had the actual apostles teaching them. So they devoted themselves to learning from the apostles. They devoted themselves to fellowshipping with each other, just being together as a family. Uh, They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread or the Lord's Supper and to prayer. Those four things they did every time they got together, uh, each time they gathered. Um, 
which helped them grow as, as Christians. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Later, we see a, a few years after the church had begun, we see this. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. It, it, it seems here that by this time, they had basically uh, uh, begun the, the habit of partaking of the Lord's Supper once a week on the first day of the week. It seems that Christians eventually settled down on Sunday, the day that Jesus arose from the grave. Uh, and that's when they began to gather. And when they gathered, they broke bread. They had the Lord's Supper. Um, now, which first day of the week was it? Was it the first or second or third or fourth where they met and they had the Lord's Supper? Was it every, every first day of, every, of the month? Well, it doesn't really say there, but you, you get the idea that it was, wasn't any particular first day. It was just the first day, the first day. Uh, when we consider what we're doing when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, and when we consider what Jesus said as he gave this celebration to us, we get the idea that the Lord's something is some, Supper is something we should do more often, not less often. More often, not less often. Again, Jesus, uh, the Apostle Paul quotes Jesus, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. Jesus said, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whenever you do it, you're proclaiming the Lord's death. So each time we do this, we celebrate Jesus' death uh, on the cross, um, uh, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, every time we do it, we're celebrating his death on the cross. And it seems that those first Christians understood that this should be done often, often at first it was every day and then it was at least once a week and then when we look at early church history you know the years just after the bible period the the, the late first century second century third century uh we see that that they that the christians had settled in on sundays every week they would have the lord's supper so because of the importance of what we're celebrating during the lord's supper because jesus commanded it and because those first Christians celebrated the Lord's, Lord's Supper often, we celebrate it often as well here at Stony Brook. And so what I want to do briefly now is consider why. You know, that's, that's, it was a command, but why did Jesus command this celebration for you and me? First one is this. The Lord's Supper is an act of remembrance. We sort of already talked about that, but let's, let's talk about it a little bit more. Again, the Apostle Paul, as he's recounting what happened on, on the Last Supper, 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. And when, we, when he had given thanks, when Jesus had given thanks, he broke it, the bread, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. You know, in our nation's capital, if you've ever been to Washington, You've seen all the monuments. Uh, I've been there a few times in my life. We go and we see the Washington Monument that reaches up high, surrounded by all the American flags. Uh, it's a beautiful sight, representing, uh, helping us remember George Washington, our first president. 
And just uh, very near there, we see another monument uh, with a great big statue of Abraham Lincoln just sitting there uh, uh, in, in that memorial. And we are reminded of Abraham Lincoln. A few miles away in Virginia, we, we see the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. And there, as we see that's that uh, army soldier uh, marching back and forth with his rifle, uh, guarding it, we, we are reminded of those soldiers who gave their life, but we don't have any idea who they were. Uh, They're unknown, but we want to honor them. You know, we in Washington, we use those monuments to help us remember those who served our country as leaders and those who gave their very lives for our country. You know, we, we, we humans tend to forget things, don't we? I don't, but, uh, but uh, you know, a lot of you guys do. No, I'm, I'm the worst. I'm the worst at forgetting, you know that. Uh, I, I've, I've wondered if before the fall, like before Adam and Eve ate the apple or the fruit, whatever it was, um, did, did it, did people, would people forget things if we'd never sinned in the garden? Would, would we just remember everything? Which that might not have been good. But, uh, but, uh, but we forget. All of us forget. Some of us more than others. God created us and he knows we forget. <laughs> he knows that's part of being a human being. So how clever he was to give us a memorial to help us to never forget the sacrifice of Jesus. How clever he was. Each week, when we eat this celebration that Jesus gave us, the unleavened bread uh, that reminds us of the body that was broken, that was nailed to the cross, that was beaten, uh, and that died on the cross, uh, sets us free from our sin. Each week, uh, when we take the cup, the juice of the grape, we're reminded of, of the life-giving blood that Jesus shed on the cross. You, you know, you hear a lot in Christianity about the shed blood. Jesus shed his blood for you. And it's like, ooh, that's kind of creepy, uh, maybe. But think about it. Think about it. Why is there so much talk about the shed blood of Jesus? Because when you shed your blood, you die. You know, blood is the life-giving substance that keeps us alive. And when our blood is gone, we die. So when Jesus shed his blood, he died. That's why we talk about the shed blood of Jesus. And when we take the cup, we remember the blood that was shed. When we eat the bread, we remember his body that was tortured and died for us. It's a remembrance. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance. The Lord's Supper is an act of thanksgiving as well. Again, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16, Paul writes, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? You know, Paul calls this celebration a time to give thanks. That makes sense, doesn't he? Uh, that goes without saying, hey, Jesus, thank you as I partake of the bread and of the cup. Thank you for what you did. Uh, as we remember what Jesus did for us, we give thanks for him. When we sit down for a Thanksgiving meal, um, you know, what's the first thing we all do? Let's bow our heads and give thanks for your abundance, your, the food, and for family. You know, I think people that aren't even Christians or very religious uh, often still have, if they have or ever have blessing, they'll have it on Thanksgiving, right? Because we want to be, we want to offer thanks to God. Um, how much more <laughs> every week when we sit down or, or, or 
gather around this meal each week, should we give thanks for the forgiveness of our sins, the hope of eternal life because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. So the Lord's Supper is an act of thanksgiving. The Lord's Supper is an act of proclamation. Proclamation. Again, Paul, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, there are many ways that we can proclaim the Lord's death uh, for us. We can tell people about it with, uh, with our mouths. Uh, that's what we're hoping to do with our intentional relationships. Uh, we can show them by the life choices we make, you know, the, the lifestyles we choose. Um, as we seek to live Christ-like lives and people come to know us as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we are proclaiming his death through our lives. That's one of the best ways to proclaim his death. And a beautiful way to, to, that we can proclaim to tell others about Jesus' death is by putting on our calendar every week, either literally or in our minds, Sunday, I'm going to be around the Lord's table. Sunday, I'm going to participate in the Lord's Supper. I want to be there every Sunday because I want to proclaim the Lord's death and remember what he did for me. It's on our calendar and nothing will get in our way because nothing's going to stop me from remembering and proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. This morning as we gather together, um, we're, we're doing so much more than, than, uh, than just checking off the block. Well, I did that, did communion, did communion. Now we're gathering to proclaim Jesus to the world, his death, and remember his death and his sacrifice for us. And that's why it's so important that we be here every week. Let me ask you, when, when, when you stay home from church, um, for whatever reason, do you, do you take a moment and stop and think about Jesus' death? Do, do, you, do you take a moment and proclaim? Well, I, can, I couldn't go to church today, but let me take a moment to remember. I, I, I wonder if we do. I, I imagine sometimes we don't even think about it. But if we're here, if we're here, we're going to, we better think about it. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But we're going to be more likely to think about it, to remember, to proclaim it, to give thanks, because we're going, we're having this meal that Jesus gave us. If for no other reason, you, I don't want to come here, go hear Mark preach again. Okay, well, don't, don't come for that reason. Come to remember and to celebrate and to proclaim. Come for that reason. If no other reason, make that something you do every Sunday. We need to remember. We need to give thanks. We need to proclaim. Jesus gave his life. It's an act of proclamation. And lastly, the Lord's Supper is an act of examination. Again, Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, 27 and 29. He says, therefore, <clears throat> now he's talking to the Corinthians and to you and me. Whenever, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner... Now, the, 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 the Corinthians were really being bad during the Lord's Supper. They were doing some things like all the rich people sat over here, and, they, and, and apparently you brought your own 
you know, we didn't order Welch's grape juice and have it for everybody. You, you brought your own uh, emblems or whatever. And the rich people sat over here and they didn't even share their food with the poor people. You know, and it was all about, and they, they even got drunk during the Lord's Supper. And, and Paul's like, you guys, you guys got to get it right. And so he's, he's trying to help them understand the, the correct way to participate and to eat this meal. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats the bread and drinks the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. It's pretty strong, isn't it? You know, in, in life, there are many types of examinations, aren't there? Um, there's physical exams. We've all been through those, haven't we? Uh, we love the physical exams. I know I do. Um, <clears throat> I recently had uh, blood work done, uh, and, uh, and it told me that my cholesterol is still high. It's still high. And so I have entered the world of cholesterol medication uh, as of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we'll see if that works. Uh, but, you know, I hated that. Um, but now with that, it, maybe I can eat more Big Macs and, and it won't affect it that much. Uh, uh, better, as Joe said, better help through chemistry. Uh, but, you know, we, that's an examination that we all have to go through, right? Uh, how about when we were in school and we had those pesky exams, uh, midterm and, and in, the, in the semester exams, so the teacher could see how we were doing and what we learned and what we didn't learn. You know, the Lord's Supper is a wonderful opportunity to examine our lives spiritually. During, as we partake of this meal, it's a wonderful opportunity to sit and, and say, okay, how am I doing? How am I doing? Um, sometimes we forget to do that. I know I do. I forget to examine myself uh, to see how I'm doing spiritually. So during the Lord's Supper, not only are we reminded of Jesus' death, but we are reminded to examine our lives. How am I doing in my commitment to Jesus as I'm remembering him? How am I doing? He gave his life for me. How am I doing in giving my life for him? What do I need to do better this week than I did last week? So as we approach this meal, uh, our mind is focused on Jesus, but it also can be focused on ourselves. The Lord's Supper is a wonderful time to do that. We need to understand that, that if we are not uh, this is really something we need to take to heart right here, what Paul said. If we are not focused on Jesus during the Lord's Supper, if our mind is a million other places and not focused on what we're doing as we partake of the Lord's Supper, that's sinning. It's a sin to do that, to partake of this meal and not think about Jesus. So we need to get our minds in the right place and get prepared to think about Jesus. What he did for us and what we need to do for him. This is something we need to understand as well. There's a misconception out there, and I've heard people say it before, I'm not going to partake of the Lord's Supper today uh, because I, I, I wasn't very good this past week. And so I'm, I'm not worthy to partake uh, of the Lord's Supper this week. You know what? If, if, if that's the test, if we were worthy this past week, to partake of the Lord's Supper, then we might as well just cancel it and never have it again. Because none of us are worthy 
no matter what we've done, more or less, it's, none of us are worthy to take the Lord's Supper. And we don't have to be worthy to take it. We've just got to have our mind in the right place. Um, if we've sinned this past week, and all of us have, all of us have, that's when we especially need to partake of the Lord's Supper. To get our mind focused on Jesus. To examine our lives. To see, okay, this is where I fell short this past week. Okay, I'm going to recommit myself and do better this week. Man, that's the perfect time to do that. During the Lord's Supper. So don't deprive yourself of, of this wonderful opportunity to repent. And recommit your life to Jesus. The sin that Paul was talking about was not being focused on Jesus at the time you're taking it. Not the fact that you sinned this past week, because we've all done that. Okay, that's our lesson today on the Lord's Supper. And so, we are going to partake of the Lord's Supper right now. Now, right up on the screen, just, just keep that up there, uh, Robin. Uh, Let's go through, be familiar with that list. And we're going to obey, we're going to remember, we're going to give thanks, we're going to proclaim, we're going to examine. At this time, Steve's going to pray, and we'll partake.